Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. We're back today with uh, Colin McQuay. He has written a great book, A Citizen on the Constitution, Consent and Communism. Um, We've talked about the fact that... uh, this book was written based upon an in-depth study of history, documents uh, from around the time when the Constitution was written. Uh, and that's why this book is so important for us to understand, because it was written by a common citizen. I don't mean common in, in any other way that you and I are just, we all put our pants on one leg at a time. Uh, so that's why we're common citizens. Uh, but you took the time, Colin McQuay, you took the time to research the history of the era to try to understand what's important. So let's talk about what are the most important American principles. Yeah, thanks, Dr. Dan. Um, so the most important American principles, um, and there's really kind of three of them that I think that we need to understand in order to really look at where we're doing in the, uh, uh, you know, where, where we're going in the country today. And, you know, so often we're, we still hear about these founding principles. And when I think of them, there are uh, the notion of all men are created equal. And we see this, this, um, this philosophy flow from the Declaration into the Constitution. We see the... Um, the notion, and this is you know why I came up with the title of the book, uh, consent of the government uh, of the governed. All legitimate government stems from the consent of the governed, and that to me is uh, of extraordinary importance. And they actually defined what consent of the governed means as well. It's not just uh, you know uh, it's not just a phrase. Consent to the government, govern, first of all, means you can only do to me what I say you can do to me. And this is an important concept. Um, and they, they measured it. So they specifically, the, the framers of the Constitution specifically, did not want to have a democracy. They knew the evils of mob rule. Uh, they, that's why they wanted to have a, a constitutional republic. I think that that notion in and of itself is very interesting when we think about it in the light of the two uh, major political parties today. The Democrats want mob rule and the the Republicans at least largely want more consent to the governed. And they measured this by saying, uh, and it shows up in any number of places in the Constitution, that they wanted what we call today a supermajority or 67% so that you had societal buy-in to these things. So uh, and then the, th- the third is that all of these uh, 
this nation is founded on, um, you know, natural law rights, inalienable rights. And I define a natural law right as an intrinsic liberty that does not uh, bestow a countervailing obligation on another and that it's also symmetrical, meaning I have to recognize that right in you and you have to recognize that right in me. And we see this all the way through the Constitution. And when we look at the process by which the, the country was founded, it's really a, a series of mother may I's. The country was born of the states. So this, this fledgling federal government needed to ask the states to consent in every step along the way. So the, in, it's kind of best manifested, manifested in uh, Article 7 of the Constitution, which says, look, nine of you 13 uh, have to sign up. Certainly we want all of 13 to sign up, but the last step of the Constitution in and of itself is saying, okay, do you agree to all these things that we had, uh, that we had written in here? And uh, we see these, these three notions throughout the entire process, and it's to me that context that we need to read the Constitution in. And if you understand those three concepts, then you can understand the Constitution and come to understand how far we have strayed. The, these principles that you have talked about are obviously uh, critically important to understand. Uh, all men are created equal. For the most of uh, the history of mankind, there was a group of men who considered themselves far, far above the rest of us, and the bulk of humanity was unequal to them. And they ruled over everyone because they had money and power, and however they got there, they maintained it. And... So all men are created equal is what gives us in our country, it gives every single one of us the expectation of being treated the same as everyone else. That, that was so different than from a historical perspective what mankind had to go through. The other thing, of course, is natural law rights. And you very correctly point out that they do not impose an obligation on any other person. And natural law rights are ours by dint of our humanity. They're God-given rights. They're not manufactured rights. They're not rights that are manufactured by a government or manufactured by man. Uh, and what's so important about that is that God-given rights cannot be taken away. Manufactured rights can be altered, uh, made bigger, made smaller, or taken away at the whim of a government. It's, it's like if the government says you have a right to, to a house or you have a right to food. Well, that number one, that imposes an obligation on other people. But it also leaves you as an individual subject to the whim and control of the government, and which is what our, our founders wanted to avoid. They did not want individuals controlled by a government and that's where that third and most important point is that what was done 230 years ago to say everything we do must be by the consent of the people that we govern. That's right, Dr. Dan. I think, you know, it's interesting, too, when, when I think about um, all men are created equal, I think that um, as opposed to monarchy, right, which just from an etymological perspective means uh, alone to rule. But it's even a little bit more sinister than that because a lot of these kings, um, they talk about the divine right of kings, right? And, and they are, they're ordained by God to lead. Well, so what that does to people that live in that world, it says, well, 
first of all, you are not my equal. And if I go against you, I'm in fact going against God. And this is a, a horrific way to keep people effectively enslaved by saying you have to follow this leader or, or you're going against God. Um, and all these notions kind of find their way um, into, uh, you know, natural law rights, too. So if we think about the first 10 amendments to the Constitution, um, they're not granting those rights, right? They're recognizing those rights and looked at through the, the, the lens of all men are created equal. One man, if, he's your, if you really believe this, one man cannot grant another any rights because you are my equal. You cannot possibly do it. So that's why I thought that throughout the book to continue to point back to these three principles um, is crucial because if you really believe these things, right? And I, I don't think that even people on the far other side of the political spectrum, or I really view it as a political sphere, and we can get into that, um, they, I, I don't think that you could talk to any American and say, do you, do you believe that all uh, – uh, all legitimate government stems from consent to the government. Who wouldn't say that, right? Who, who would say, no, I don't think that the people need to consent to government. But we've lost that, right? So if we can get people to understand how important consent is, how we define consent, and how we measure consent, I think that we can be a little bit more on our pathway to regaining our liberties. When it comes to rights, as you brought up, the, the duty, the obligation of the government is to protect and secure the natural law rights. That's the phrase they use. It wasn't the government doesn't give you the rights. It's, and the founders understood that. They recognized these natural law rights are yours. Our job is to make sure that we protect them and that you have them uh, eternally because that is what government is supposed to do. This, this whole concept of all men are created equal is really critically important. And, and what we see today happening in our nation is that all men are not created equal now because of the malfeasance of our government. Our government has created different classes of mankind or humanity or men and women, however you want to put it. They have done that. The liberals have done that on purpose in order to break society apart and to cause hatred among groups. If, uh, if all men are created equal, then all men get treated equally. When you have a situation in which one group is treated in a preferential manner, that creates anger, distrust, and disharmony. It's interesting, too, you know, the first 13 or so of the Federalist Papers talk about the need for union and uh, to try to avoid some of the kind of, at that time, constant war that was happening uh, on the continent and in Europe. And, um, you know, when we think about the, the balkanization that we're, that we're undergoing today, um, it's, it's, uh, um, it's unfortunate to think that uh, these these very simple notions and, and people uh, simply not knowing them is, I believe, what's leading to, uh, you know, to that disharmony. Um, you know, another word about the uh, uh, all men are created equal in its manifestation in the First Amendment to the Constitution and the Establishment Clause, right? And the Establishment Clause basically says, not basically, says that the government can't establish a religion, 
right? So, and that again harkens back to this notion, well, if all men are created equal, then we can't have a state church, right? We, it just doesn't, you can't have it that way. So um, they put in the establishment clause to make sure that that doesn't happen. But now, interestingly today, the only way that a church can be established in this country is through the government, right? So uh, through the IRS code is the only way you can establish a religion. So all of these very simple, simple concepts that we were supposed to, and I think that you said it perfectly, uh, you know, when you said that uh, just live and let live, that's what this country was supposed to be about. And now with this constant encroachment, we're back to a class society and we have uh, government bureaucrats, which really kind of are a class unto themselves in a way. They can't be fired. They can't be, uh, they can barely be reprimanded. Um, and it's, it's all just completely goes against the Constitution. When, uh, for example, on, on the uh, issue with the, the bureaucrats, Article 1, Section 1 of the Constitution, which lays out what Congress is supposed to do, it says simply, all laws come out of Congress. Well, why do I have all of these department after department after department that are making laws? And while they won't call them laws, they'll call them regulations and rules. If I can get fined or go to jail, it's a law. So if all laws are supposed to come out of Congress, that's not the that's not what's happening today, right? And it, um, so now I don't have the consent because I can't consent to a bureaucrat. I don't know who he is. I don't know what he stands for. I don't know what his motivations are. And I didn't put him there, and I can't get him out of there. So all of these uh, rules and regs that are put in by the federal government are just, from my perspective, unconstitutional. And it was not – they'll, they'll talk about how today the world is you know, more complicated. Well, the government has made it more complicated. If they only did the – I call it – you know, there's 26 things as I count in Article 1, Section 8. Everyone can count it you know, a little bit differently because sometimes in a clause there's you know, multiple things. I might count as one and you count as two. But I, for consistency's sake, I say there's 26 things in Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution. And if we only were doing those things, then I wouldn't need all these bureaucrats. But we, when, we, when we look at Article 1, Section 8 and contrast that now to the uh, president's cabinet, there's 26 members to the cabinet, um, but there's only 10 that can harken back to those 26 items that are in Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution. So the government has taken off and gone down this path, and they, they do it by this kind of dastardly trick of uh, – not ever talking about standing. They always want to talk about, is this a good idea or is this a bad idea? So, and I use in the book the, uh, the example of education. Well, you know, so they say, well, don't you think education is important? And, you know, people don't want to say, no, I don't think education is important. But they never ask the question first, does the government have standing to be, federal government have standing to be in the education business? And there's no standing whatsoever. And, you know, I would counter their perspective of you think education is important with, I think it's so important that the last thing I want is the federal government involved in education. It's really important that you have talked about consent of the government, governed in this way, because that is, we have transitioned from, uh, being a people governed by our own consent, as you so well point out, we have transitioned to a country in which nameless, faceless bureaucrats are governing us. And that comes from the fact that every law that is passed in Congress is so hopelessly complex. 
that they don't spell out the details. They just say, we're going to do this. The bureaucrats will figure out how it gets done. Well, that's not the job of Congress. If they didn't have and, and when you look at it's really, uh, it, it's just stupid to look at that because if you have a bill that's 2,000 pages long and it doesn't spell out the rules and regulations, what the heck are they doing? I mean, there's 2,000 pages of gibberish, and then the bureaucrats add another 30,000 pages of, of rules and regulations. The IRS code, what is it, 75,000 pages or something like that. But the most important point about this is that we do not know who these people are. We cannot name a single one of them. We cannot go knock on their door and say, hey, what, what do you think you're doing when you wrote this law? I don't want to do this. You know, and, and we, we have no way of doing that. And that, you know, the, there's a, uh, so the way the Declaration of Independence is structured as opposed to the Constitution we've been talking about, um, most of the Declaration of Independence is a list of grievances, right, for how badly, uh, you know, the, the, the colonies wanted to make it known why they were declaring their independence. Um, and one of those grievances, I call it the uh, We Hate Bureaucrats grievance. And, you know, uh, we have hitherto been, you know, swarmed upon by, you know, legions of the king's people, etc. And the... Uh, and that finds its way directly. I mean, you, again, you can trace these contexts directly uh, in the Constitution from the Declaration of Independence. So uh, we talked also, I, I like this discussion of all men are created equal. I think that's an important concept. Uh, it, it's an important concept because if we look at what's going on now from a legal point of view, okay, all men all citizens in this country are not being treated equal. Some are obviously more equal than others, as the saying goes. When you look at people in high places, people with friends in government, people who were in government, and they do things and they get away with it, and we don't. When, when uh, you know, one of my favorite uh, things that the... Uh the other side does when they talk about the Constitution and try to twist it uh, into their purpose, they use the general welfare clause. Well, the operative word in the general welfare clause is general, not welfare. It is for the betterment of all people. It is for the general good. And welfare just meant to, you know, for the betterment of them. You know, so when, when we have the... Um, the Constitution being twisted like that from these very simple phrases, you know, and w then we look at um, what is happening with, you know, for example, uh, and these people aren't even citizens with illegal illegal aliens, right? I mean, so what people have to play by the by the rules, right? I mean, and there are some, you know, we have sanctuary cities and we have all of this kind of stuff, but I think the kind of most egregious manifestation of people not paying attention to all men are created equal is really when it comes to the courts. So when we think about the courts, um, and the courts, according to the Constitution, and, and most people think because there are three branches uh, to our government, the executive, legislature, uh, and judicial, they think that the judicial branch is formed under Article 3. It's really 
that's the Supreme Court, right? It's Article 1 that establishes all lower courts. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The rights to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. They call them muddy waters. And people I just love to hear that old man sing. Yeah, when I play the hoochie-coochie man I get joy in everything Everything, everything Everything gonna be alright this morning